I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to See Also, your weekly dispatch of pop culture thoughts and further reading wormholes. I'm Brody Lancaster. And I'm Kate Jinks. This week, we're trying to have it all. We're compartmentalizing our IRL selves and our podcast selves and looking at work-life balance and whether that exists or not. Specifically, how years of talking and reading essays about it have manifested into this eerie new workplace thriller that we're loving called Severance. There's also been big news from Bravo about the future of a certain Real Housewives franchise that has proved all these years of lighting our abundance candles has worked. So Brody, what have you been up to in the last week? I got a very fancy manicure. Acrylic gels. Can you hear them? This is very Dolly Parton deciding that she was going to write a song called Nine to Five with the sound of acrylic nails on a typewriter. (laughs) This is my origin story. Um, Yeah, I got really fancy nails. They're way too long and I can't open cans or do anything. And I went to a wedding on the weekend, which was very beautiful. And turns out it's been a while since I've had like a champagne glass refilled over and over and over for like several hours and then small plates of food afterwards. Turns out um, it's rough the next day but I did have plans the next day to host a hot dog party a la Alison Roman any fans of Alison Roman's YouTube channel might remember she had one last summer and I just wanted to do that in like the barbecue area of the park near my house before Australian summer was fully done 
and luckily it's never ending so it was a really nice day so you actually did do it after oh yeah i had several types of hot dogs vegan and non several types of bread yeah it was great wow good for you getting out of bed on sunday after a rough uh wedding hangover well if i didn't have the plans for the hot dog party i fully would not have a second before my friend arrived to help me carry the hot dogs to the park i was sitting on the edge of my bed with my head in my hands and then when he rang the doorbell he was also at the wedding with me i could see on my little video intercom he was leaning against my building so i had to apologize quite a lot for making him help me And then feeding him. What have you been up to? How are you feeling? I am feeling fine. I escaped COVID for now. It's so weird. Like I was away with my partner who had COVID and I was with her pre-testing positive and we didn't isolate from each other. We did isolate. But yeah, I didn't get it, which is just wild. And there have been lots of reports of that from like couples and families and um share house members someone's just not getting it yeah there's like weird i actually texted someone today like i continue to avoid covid which is pro- i'm probably going to get it in the next few days yeah well you're jinxing us right now we're going to get it next I'm, episode i'm kate jinxing it but um <laughs> yeah for now we're both safe somehow yeah it's weird it's just not our time you know mm. it's just not our time so mostly uh yeah i was in the countryside isolating which was good for me and apart from that and a lot of work I have been in the dms deep deep in the dms uh pouring over the news that Chriselle Strauss from Selling Sunset appears to be dating or having some kind of fling with Melbourne's own g-flip this is huge news for Australia, <laughs> the wider music community, the celesbian community, uh, but also crazy. The, the like reality TV community. And that is like a perfect circle of Venn diagram for you, I think. It's really good. It's really, it's really good for me. I'm really enjoying it very much. Um, they do a lot of emoji comments on each other's Instagrams. Mm. And there are a lot of Instagram stories to get through. These are two people that I did not follow (laughs) pre any of this, even though like Chriselle, you got to love Chriselle. Um, We're all team Chriselle. All team Chriselle, but not as much as G Flip, I guess. The funny thing is that people in my life who want to talk about this know who G Flip is and aren't as familiar with Chriselle. And so I found myself having to explain Chriselle to people and I don't know where to start. I'm like, well, we're, we all love her. She got divorced by text message. Justin Hartless. Uh, she dated one of her bosses. And her dating life is like the centerpiece of every season. So fingers crossed for a like Chriselle gender exploration season six. Oh, beautiful. I mean, because we haven't, as a friend of mine pointed out, there are a lot of friends have been texting me about this particular incident, a series of incidents. We haven't even seen Chriselle date the boss which Mm. one was he i can never remember jason we haven't even seen that yeah so the season five that is coming soon will be all about her relationship with him they've already broken up we all know that they have yeah and that g flips on the scene who would have thought this is just like it's so (laughs) 
amazing and wild and funny. It's like it's the two so people good. I never would have thought <laughs> into even, you know, use not in the same sentence, but even in like the same book. The you thing know? I love most about it is that it, it because I love to make everything about myself, brings me one degree of separation from Chrishell. Do tell. I've been to G-Flip's house. <laughs> I had to interview them um, before their first album came out and did it in the room where they wrote their debut album. Um, so I'm pretty close. I'm basically in the Oppenheim group. You are. I really loved as this news trickled out, like the DMs, including ours together were blowing up with like everyone speculating over the nature of the comments they were leaving each other publicly podcasts were like is Chriselle dating this person G Flip who is G Flip and um, meanwhile they were hosting a party where Chriselle dressed as Pamela Anderson and G Flip a drummer dressed as Tommy Lee Mm. pretty iconic it's pretty good isn't it like doing a couple's costume that soon yeah that is pretty good oh that reminds me someone brought it to my attention that in our first episode i called tommy lee tommy lee jones several times (laughs) (laughs) well we teased this last week that we were going to talk about our new favorite tv show am i okay to say that our new favorite tv show brody absolutely i have not been this clued into like a week to week release in a really long time yeah same um, it's severance which is on apple tv starring adam scott as a guy who works for a large kind of tech company maybe they're called lumen so he's undertaken this procedure called severance which basically is like implanting something in his brain which splits it in half so when he goes up the elevator into his office every day his outer self his outie, as they call it, like belly buttons, innies and outies. His outie disappears and his innie, his work self, comes to life, like awakens within him. And so there is this person who goes to work for nine hours a day who has no concept of what his life is like on the outside world and vice versa. Yeah, so once you're inside the office, you have no memory of picking your clothes that you wore to work or what you did the night before. You also have no understanding of your life, whether you're married, whether you have children, where you live, what you're interested in. Um, And it's just, it sounds... Kind of like, I feel like, are we doing it justice? Because it's so engrossing and so strange and so spooky. But that premise, the way it kind of, I don't know, trickles out and every solution you can think of for the problems that arise in this series are like struck down because of the very concept of it, because they can't take any piece of paper outside with them. They can't bring anything in with them. They kind of clean slates as they wake up and go to sleep. And Adam Scott is uh plays mark s who is like the figure that we follow most closely but his workmates this like very small crew of people in his department are so incredible john Turturro plays a character who is kind of set up as like an old timer of the company like he he subscribes to all their values he doesn't question what he's told to do then uh zach cherry plays dylan who is kind of like the smart ass co-worker always cracking jokes and making fun of everyone else but seems to be there for the perks. Like they get little toys and treats when they meet certain workplace like milestones. And then the most incredible character, Helly, is played by Britt Lower, who the series starts with her like integration. So her outie has just uh, chosen to be severed and she wakes up on a table 
as Mark from a room that she can't access. She can't see him. She can just hear his voice as he's asking her who she is, where she is. She can't answer any of it. She's essentially like a newborn brain inside an adult body. And the more I think about this show in those terms where like Mark has worked here for two years, so he's essentially like a two-year-old person in this office, the more it becomes even more insidious, the things that they are that they're doing to these people. Yeah, that's the thing that they actually choose. These people choose to be severed. As far as we know, Mm -mm. severance isn't enforced in any way. And so the show is also about what did these people, like what was happening in these people's outer lives that they felt that they needed to cut themselves off? Is it just because you're bored at work and you would rather have that work-life balance trademark um, where you don't know what you're doing during the day and that's fine because you don't want to have to deal with like the banality of work and Mm. you can just have this other life or did something happen that makes you want to cut this off or did something happen to you at work that you would prefer not to think about and we are given Mark S's backstory a little bit like it's teased but we kind of are aware that he chose to sever himself because of grief essentially and he wanted to kind of cut off that like mode of thinking but we don't really know anything about the other characters and really only one of the characters so far what are we up to episode seven seven yeah so we only kind of know a glimpse of the Audi life of one of the other characters at this point but yeah it's quite incredible in that we don't know anything about any of these people and yet it is still one of the most engrossing things I have seen on television in years yes it's created by this guy Dan Erickson who apparently was on his way to like a really dry dull office job it's significant that they work in an office too like it's not like anyone's going to work as like a baker being like, God, I wish I could cut these eight hours out of my life and never think about them again. Um, if you're a baker and you um, hate your job, I'm very sorry to generalize. <laughs> um, but as, a, as an office worker myself, you know, it's very relatable that, yeah, the creator of the show said that he was on the bus going to his job and he had the thought that, like, he wished that he could just stop his life and have a, you know, basically sleepwalk through the next eight hours and then just wake up when he was going home yeah like every time I'm on a deadline if I've got like a big writing project due or something like that and this happened about two weeks ago I could see that I had like 3,000 words left to write or something like that and I just thought god I wish my life was a montage right now and it would just be me at my desk writing and like making a coffee going for a walk and going for like having a sleep and then filing the story and then like I could get on with the rest of my life I often find myself wishing that I could just condense everything into a really fun montage scene Mm -hmm. and that's sort of where this show kind of fits in for me like that's the reason why I would want to be severed I wouldn't want to be severed but the thing the the fucked thing is, is that there's some appeal to it yeah there is yeah like the the concept of it and the the aesthetics of the show as well it takes place in this like bizarre version of like possible like a future question mark but the styling of the office building is very like what we imagine the future was in like the 1960s it's all curved archways and block color like primary colored carpets it's kind of like that twa hotel at jfk where it's like you step into like Mad Men or something. But very sterile as well. Yeah, there's nothing warm or kind of nostalgic about it. It's like very eerie and there's a lot of space around everybody. It's not like they're in a 
big space full of cubicles. There's just the four of them. Yeah, I really love that it is set in this weird time. And the, the production design is really brilliant, specifically with the technology, because the computers they use, they look like old microbees or something, but they will have a mobile phone at the same time. So there's this the weird anachronistic um, production design. And the creator um, was asked about when it was set. And he said, it's around now, like vaguely now-ish. <laughs> I love the specificity of yeah. that. Um, but he said it's, an, or it's sort of an alternate vaguely now-ish timeline. Mm. It's kind of like sometimes the technology makes me think of in It Follows. You know how the the friend had that weird kind of like clamshell reading device? It kind of looked like the pill or something. And it was kind of like a phone or a pager, but also she would read stuff on it. But it wasn't a smartphone. It wasn't like a computer or a tablet. Yeah, it's this bizarre kind of like you can't place it using the technology which is really fun yeah it's like um spike jones's film her as well Mm. it's joaquin phoenix playing again a guy who works in an office who has this relationship uh with someone he can't see but the design of that film was so rich and warm and you know he he was wearing those very high-waisted woolen pants all the time Mm -hmm. and everything was kind of red and orange so it seemed kind of 60s but also in the future and i think that's my favorite kind of sci-fi for wanting a better term or at least kind of this dystopian future vibe where you just can't place it it feels like it could be tomorrow like someone could invent something like this tomorrow Mm. and we'd all be living in it yeah because the the idea of like futuristic like sets or designs that have lots of like bleep bloopy computer rooms like they have in severance um but everyone's wearing like space suits or like wacky clothes that makes it far less relatable than what we're watching, which is essentially this, um, the, you can imagine Silicon Valley taking the idea of like work life balance to a place like this, because it is not out of step with the idea of like those pod apartments where people just live in a small room and they don't need any time to cook or let any leisure space or anything because they go to work at Google or whatever have all their meals catered to them and they just come home to sleep. Like it's this really fucked up idea of your life exists in like three phases in a day. And one of them we're just going to take care of. You figure out the rest. Well, yeah, that's the thing is that you don't actually have any agency. Like your innie doesn't have agency because you're so unaware of what your Audi is doing. And your Audi truly has no real agency either because you don't know what your innie is going to do every day or what you don't even know what work they're doing. Mm. Like they might be forced to do some kind of work that they really don't want to do, or it might be completely unethical, but you would just never have any idea. Mm. And I think one of the big questions within the show is what is Lumen? Like, what is the company? What are they doing? Mm. And so the four main characters are looking for bad feeling numbers, which is one of the weirdest jobs, tasks that anyone could come up with. And I love it. Yeah, there's this theory on the internet that the work that they do every day is like coding their chips, like they're these kind of guinea pig subjects for like a wider population control experiment or something. But yeah, they essentially stare at a screen and look at numbers all day. And when the numbers start to feel like menacing to them, they click on them. Yeah, they group them and then like put them into a folder. Yeah. And like years ago, maybe it's probably eight years ago now. 
I was hanging out with a friend of mine in the States who was a writer, but had taken this job in tech to just make a bunch of money. And it was, I think it was for a company like Twitter. And this person's job was essentially to like look at images on a screen every day and like react the way a normal person would. It's like those capture codes that are like, are you a robot? Like click the things and you realize that you're not passing like a security hurdle. You're training AI to recognize what things are in the world. And so it all feels very, yeah, very creepily connected to reality because computers can do so much, but like humans can do more, but humans have that annoying thing of bringing their lives and emotions and empathy into the workplace. Stupid humans. Yeah. Reminds me a little bit of that film Coded Bias, the documentary by Shalni Kantaya from a couple of years ago. I think it's on Netflix now, actually. Did like the film festival rounds. Played it at MIFF and played it at the All About Women in Film Festival at the Opera House in Sydney. But it's about Joy Bualamwini, who was an MIT research a scientist and then realized that AI the AI that existed at that time didn't recognize her face as a black woman and then started looking at who is creating AI what is it what are they looking for and it's of course it's like white men creating Mm. it um and have completely bypassed you know her but then it looks at the way that that can be flipped on its head and that you can target minority groups essentially through AI. And that's actually what some police and military are actually using throughout the world mm. already. And it's this it's a really terrifying documentary, uh, really, really well worth watching. But yeah, I, I keep thinking of that documentary while I'm watching this and thinking, you know, like, who are the overlords essentially and the overlord is Patricia Arquette yes Patricia Arquette doing this incredible like Holly Hunter in Top of the Lake aesthetic and Meredith Marks from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City voice the I love that of which is so chilling and perfect it really is a Meredith Marks voice I hadn't thought about that before Mark do not ask questions here Why am I doing accent work every episode? That was actually pretty good. That was pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're having like a spoiler-free discussion, but I feel like there's much more to discuss about Patricia Arquette off mic. Yeah, truly. I mean, maybe we should check back in when the series has actually finished. Mm, It's Um, only nine episodes, so we're we're near the end. Oh my God, only two episodes left. What will we do after it finishes? It's so great to have a show that I actually care about. I mean, we've been talking about shows that we've cared about the last couple of episodes, but I mean, last ep, we did talk about the like dearth of shows that mean anything, Mm. I think, and how the Babysitter's Club was cancelled and that was... This is our distressing. New <laughs> this is our new babysitter's club. I mean, I mean to put it in like a recent context, though. I guess the the thing that connects all these like ripped from the headlines, true crime e shows is this idea of is an Anna Delvey, for example, like this Robin Hood type figure who's coming in and fucking over the rich guy. Like, is Fire Festival this like capitalist nightmare? Is WeWork the fall of like a Silicon Valley ideal or whatever? I'm just saying all, I'm just saying words, but this is a show that has taken these ideas about work and the worker and capitalism and productivity at the expense of everything and distilled it into a new concept that is really well executed. Like it's, it's also the last like new concept I was excited about was yellow jackets and not to keep repeating myself there, but like 
that felt like a show that was confident it would have a long time to tell its story and it really drew it out for me. Severance is like the absolute inverse of that where every episode like it's taking its time but you are learning new things that hook you every single episode and like the web that it's weaving together is like so exceptional to watch. Yeah the thing about this show is that I don't want to know everything like I am happy with the tease mm-hmm. I'm pleased with the tease of severance I don't really want to know exactly what will happen to any of the characters I don't really want to know yet what all of their outer lives are there are a couple of characters within there that I desperately want to know I mean. about I think we'd be remiss not to mention that John Turturro is in this and so is Christopher Walken two incredible actors to see on the TV. I love that. And that they have this very particular relationship, like friendship within the show. The chemistry between John Turturro, who P.S. looks identical to Maurizio, Carl Rich's husband from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Less don't. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he goes into that (laughs) greenhouse. You never know what (laughs) Lumen's doing in there. I guess as well as her, uh, Severance really reminds me a lot of the like metaphysical comedy existentialism of Charlie Kaufman's body of work, Mm. um, particularly Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Adaptation as well. Um, But it also reminds me of there's a 60s British TV show I was very obsessed with when I was in my 20s called The Prisoner, and it's a secret agent who is – he's like gassed in his bedroom or something, maybe while he's sleeping. It's been a very long time. And then he is transported – to the village, uh, which is this kind of idyllic village, but essentially it's a large prison. He just doesn't know it. So it's I, it has that kind of severance appeal within it that I'm mm. really hoping to go back and see. And another show that this whole thing reminded me of, because it's directed by Ben Stiller, and the show feels Severance really does feel very Ben Stillery. Yes. There are some real funny moments in there that um, it got me looking up really old episodes of the Ben Stiller Show, a show that I really adored at some point in my life. It was from the early nineties, and it starred Ben, Bob Odenkirk, Andy Dick, and Janine Garofalo. And of course, I was watching it for Janine Garofalo. I don't know how it will age, but it just yeah made me really want to go back to that because also he did direct one of the best films of all time reality bites the best films about working of all time i know i've never watched the ben stiller show but it um it did make me nostalgic a little bit for party down which i did a rewatch of during one of our lockdowns over the last couple of years and is being rebooted at the moment but adam scott in a workplace comedy there is truly nothing better like his face tells you everything you need to know about what it means to be a worker and there's a great moment at the very start of severance there's a shot of him kind of in his car getting ready to go in for the day which reminds me of a very iconic car shot in party down right before he says his catchphrase are we having fun yet film wise it made me it really made me think of um brit marling who i went through such a phase of being so into her films with Zalbat Manglidge, the director of um, Another Earth and Sound of My Voice, but specifically Another Earth, like this idea that there is like a duplicate or like mirror version of you existing somewhere. And it's not a, a comforting thought. It's quite an ominous one. Similarly, in there's a lot of Jordan Peele vibes in Severance. So obviously get out the idea of like transplanting part of one person into a 
one one person's brain into another person's body but then also us obviously the the tethered people who are just existing somewhere living the life that you get the life and they get the like the dregs of it which is kind of severancey because we always have to take it back to Joanna Hogg one for the hog hive I actually can link severance to Joanna Hogg to link it to the souvenir part two. Huge. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Ben Stiller has directed most episodes of Severance to date, but an Irish director named Aoife McArdle has directed a couple of them. And she is known mostly for her music videos. And she directed an early Anna Calvi video. (gasps) And Julie, in the Souvenir Part 2, directs a music video for a musician, and that musician is played by Anna, Anna Calvi. Calvi. Huge. Huge, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hog hive, we rise. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's particularly important that this show is coming out right now at the point of the pandemic when most of us have been working from home for two plus years now. can't believe we're in two plus years and not just two years anymore. But we're not going into the office. So the office dramedy is suddenly a little bit more interesting to, to us because it's like, oh, remember that? It does bring up this whole idea of work-life balance and the not just blurring of lines, but just that it doesn't exist anymore for so many people. It's really difficult to break off or carve out time for your life and time for work when you're doing it from the same space. And sometimes you're doing it from the same space as another person. I've pretty much always worked in the arts. And I think that concept of work-life balance, I always, you know, I read about, I read every article about it and burnout. Like I think we all have been and I'm like, I'm burnt out. I've got burnout. My generation are all burnt out, (laughs) including me. Exactly. But it's like, I don't really know what to do with any of the information I take it all in, but I can't really apply apply it to myself because at what point when you work in like a creative field like at what point do you actually turn off I find it near impossible well yeah because you're right when you work in like an arts adjacent industry the idea of like not doing work at nighttime or on weekends when the arts occur (laughs) the performing (laughs) arts occur you know it's it's just a fantasy really and yeah you're right those articles often I mean I approach them from like the vantage point of like a single person who lives alone 
who has no one else to take care of their life for them at all. But also I'm a freelancer. So the idea of being like, I finish work at five o'clock each day is just, you know, a concept I have not known my entire professional life. And recently I've been yearning for it. I've been, I've said it to you. I've said it to many people in my life. Like I want to be, have more of like a normie lifestyle and it sounds insulting, but I just want to like sit down and watch my shows at night. I want to like do my exercise after work and I want to cook meals or like meet up with my friends. I don't want to be chained to my computer every waking moment. Yeah, I feel the same way. And there have been this swathe of articles recently. It's like your work doesn't love you and your work is not family. And the idea that, you know, I can't remember. I'm sorry if I'm paraphrasing someone out there, but the idea that you're not going to ever be on your deathbed and going, I wish I'd sent that one email, you know, like that's never going to happen. I mean, who knows what was in the email, to be honest, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's something I really, really struggle with, Mm. but also it's, I I don't know that it's a world for me. I'd love to, I'd love to have a weekend. The idea of a weekend is like, can you imagine Beale? My friend Sinead, shout out, told me... Hey, Sinead. Hey, Sinead. She told me it was maybe like eight years ago. So I was like 24 and I was already so deep in this cycle of working every spare moment and thought it would really... I mean, the thing is, it did bring me quite a lot. It brought me a lot in my like professional and personal lives. But she said to me once like, hey, do you know that some people don't look at their weekends as like 12 to 16 hours more work to do, you know, more time to work? And I was like, damn, what are they doing? What are they up to? Having a good time? I don't know, sleeping. I don't know. We've also been told our entire lives that our careers are unsustainable, that like there is going to be an end point. And I've, this has been drilled into me since I was like 20 years old was like, no one's going to want your opinions forever. So like, do write your op-eds, write your personal essays, you know, engage in the personal essay industrial complex for a decade on the internet. Because, and then you have to figure out a different thing to do because if your skill is writing, you're not going to be able to monetize it forever in the same ways, which is, you know, I work a day job in advertising and then I do all my freelance work that, that has my name on it on nights and weekends, because if I'm not doing that, then people think I've dropped off the radar and people think that there's, you know, what's Brody Lancaster been up to all these years, which, you know, maybe is narcissistic to think that anyone is thinking of me, but it keeps the churn going, you know, it keeps me on like the, the hamster wheel. Yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? It's weird to have that mentality and to see that it is an issue and that not everybody has this issue. Yeah. Now that it's like, oh, yeah, it's a bit hard to fix it though. Like, yeah. I don't know. My, I, my yeah. therapist told me recently, she was like, stop thinking about work-life balance and start thinking about work-life blend. Because then the way she phrased it to me was like, you know, if you're making a chocolate cake and you want all the ingredients balanced, it's going to taste terrible. You're going to have the same amount of eggs as you have flour and milk and whatever else. It's terrible. It's never going to work. And I was sitting there being like, mm, yeah, but that's not what balance is. But anyway, she, she was like, think of it as a blend. You know, you have a little bit of this and you have more of that and you have more of this. So of course I put it into a spreadsheet to see what <laughs> the blend of my ideal week would look like. Classic Brodie Lancaster. Yeah. It's sort of like the idea, the concept of the four burners. Um, I first read about it in what a David that? Sedaris book that you have four burners, but you can only ever have three of them on it at the same time 
or you'll overheat the system essentially. And so it's like one burner for health, one for like family, one for work, <clears throat> one for like relationships, friendships, etc. And so something is always going to, I'm probably getting those wrong, but you can only ever focus on three. You can, you can never have, you can't have it all. Yeah. That is making me remember this time, probably maybe like four or five years ago, I just finished writing my book and maybe promoting it. I'm not sure. It was around that time in my life. And I did an interview and it was like about my routine. And one of the questions was like, how do you do everything? How do you get everything done? And I was in such a fucking like depleted state that my answer was so dry, but also so honest because I was like, I don't, I don't have a relationship. I'm not looking after myself. Like I don't like see my family. They live in another state, like blah, blah, blah. All I'm doing is working, but that's the visible part of my life that people seem to care about, you know, like the idea of like, how do you do it all? It's like, how do you write the things that you can then tweet about and say, I did a thing, you know? And that's not all. No, I do think if we were to get severed, what? how many hours would that leave for us, for our Audis? Yeah, and what would our Audis do? They have a podcast. They fully <laughs> That's would. what we've chosen to do with our <laughs> spare time. Yeah. So there are a bunch of um, articles that Kate and I pulled together about, you know, the burnout of it all and like overcoming that cycle, but also like what it means. There was an article that I was really interested in about the way that Apple TV shows use Apple products, which is kind of notable in this show, which is so much about technology, but is kind of, as we said before, like dateless. So I think to avoid dating it with Apple products, but also to avoid Apple putting an iPhone in the hands of a bad guy, which we kind of know that they don't like to do. They're a non-branded devices throughout this show so yeah there's a there's a bunch of reading in the show notes if you're interested in that kind of thing well from one dystopian show to another Brody from severance to the real housewives of new york they're back baby they are back and i cannot wait and it's two for the price of one we're getting double roni in i say rahoni <laughs> Do you really pronounce the H, yeah? <laughs> you know, Rahoni, Rahoba, her, for Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> I've always done Roni, like rhino. Hmm. Hmm. It's an anagram of horny. It really is. And if you've never watched a Real Housewives franchise, Roni kind of stands on its own, right? Like, it's fundamentally a comedy, whereas a lot of the other Real Housewives cities are like friendship dramas or like, uh, I guess dramas. Yeah. They're like peaks behind the curtain of the ultra wealthy. Whereas what wealth looks like in New York city is very different to what it looks like in say Beverly Hills, where there are these sprawling like estates that our housewives live in. And in New York, you're much more likely to see them in an apartment, but they're socialites. You know, there are the ones who are like, there's the Bethany Frankels who like hustled to like make their name in this city. And then there are the Dorinda Medleys who like married a guy who would host dinners for Mrs. Clinton at their townhouse. And you just kind of never really knew where the money was coming from. There was the rich and then there was the wealthy. So the reason we're talking about Roni is because it was announced last week that after a really truly disastrous 13th season of the show, in which their attempts to kind of diversify the cast with this old guard of white upper crust 
racist women with some quote unquote fresh blood and like newer castmates, including Roni's first black cast member really flopped. It was a really terrible season. So terrible that they didn't even do a reunion. And this is the point where like Bravo had been making reunions work for like a year and a half at this point over Zoom if they had to. And so the fact that they were like, we're just not going to talk about this season again. I think they cut a few episodes out. It kind of showed that the show that had always been at the peak of like the Bravo universe, it wasn't on the decline. It had fully declined. And so, yeah, they made this announcement last week that not only would they be going ahead with a kind of next gen Roni with like a fully new cast of people who are actually friends, like a diverse downtown New York scene. They're also going to do a kind of like legacy edition featuring past Real Housewives brought together in like maybe new combinations like maybe someone from season two is gonna be there with season 10 cast members anyway the potential is unrivaled oh it's off the charts truly i've never seen the the bravo heads online like <laughs> so truly excited as we were last week we i say we uh yeah i totally think that they should reboot it and have an all-new cast for this show because it is kind of dead in the water yeah and i'm very excited about the fantasy all-stars <laughs> did you watch housewives on the island baby no i didn't but i did watch real housewives of the north pole so housewives real housewives girls trip aka housewives I was on the island was where they brought you know people from Atlanta New Jersey New York Beverly Hills all together for like a seven day trip and it was phenomenal and they are doing another one this year where they're all going to spend time at the Berkshires and Dorinda's house and so I think there's like a real hunger for bring back the old people we used to know but in new combinations who would be your number one cast member Jill Zarin Absolutely. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. So Jill was an early season cast member in New York. I'm Jill Zarin. I'm a connector. We run Zarin Fabrics. And I just have missed Jill for many years. You just know that Jill wants this position, believes it is hers. And that is why she will be incredible TV. Yeah. She's as hungry as Dorinda. Because Dorinda left. Was she asked to leave? I think she was asked to leave. She's on hiatus or something. Yeah. She should have. Although Dorinda's drinking problem is tough to watch carol my cat is chiming in because she's saying you're forgetting someone my namesake carol radzewell i would love carol radzewell to be back on this show even though she kind of got a little dull towards the end there but do you know my take is that carol could be in the next gen carol could be like the gap of this quote-unquote old guard and like this younger crew because carol was always like young and hip for her age you know well, she dated young. That's for, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Leah McSweeney could be. I think that she because she was brought on as you know fresh blood about two seasons ago. Mm. She was like the most political of everyone after Carol left, of course. She also had uh, has a clothing line that used to be sold at the Pam store. Huge. <laughs> she has wings tattooed next to her vagina. Luann, where are we at on Luann? Countess Luann. Countess Luann is a real gift that keeps on giving to me. She's had a lot of ups and downs and a lot of bad singles. Mm-hmm. She also had, you know, her brush with the with the law. Brushes recently, there were more. Oh, no. Yeah. And she has that dreadful daughter that I just can't stand, who is an awful <laughs> painter. Like, her, her work is just gross. But I still love her. Out of all of the housewives, I would quote Luann the most, particularly when she said, just be cool. Don't be all like uncool. 
Words to live by. And when she got her phone to type out a text for her to Tom, her fiance, who had been caught cheating on her, and she said, how could you do this to me? Question mark. I love it. Louis at her peak when she's really delusional, which is um, she may be sober, but she's not really in treatment for it. And so I feel like the current phase of Lou, where she's really on like a healing journey, is not going to make great TV. No, but... Good for her, bad for TV. I actually think that we'll be fine with Luann. I think it's a steady ship with her, like a very unstable ship. Sure, she doesn't have her drinking, but she's still got cabaret, you know? Mm, Yeah, we'll always have cabaret. Would you like Alex to come back? Alex McCord. Honorary Australian, Alex McCord. Um, Look. Shout out to Skinner's Head in uh, northern New South Wales, where she lives now with her husband. Simon... Simon Van Kempen. I would love them to be on this reboot, honestly. I would love... Okay, here's my dream. The cast is the cast, but they always have to go on a cast trip. So my dream is that they go on a cast trip to Byron Bay, which is where they think Alex McCord lives because she tells everyone she lives in this charming little hamlet of a village near Byron Bay. They go to Byron and they're like, where's Alex's house? And then they have to trek to however far away it is that Alex lives. And then they make her feel the same way in 2022 about living outside Byron Bay as they did in 2008 about her living in Brooklyn. All right, let's do a quick yes, no. I'm going to run down the list of past housewives. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you think. Ramona Singer. Yes. No. Kelly Kalor and Ben Simone. Yes. Yes. Sonia Morgan. Yes. Yes. Although Sonia, I have to say represents um the best of the new york housewives and that she's like kind of depraved she has like the energy my dream roni housewife has like the energy of a smoker whether or not she smokes a yeast she has that kind of vibe aviva drescher yes aviva drescher's leg yes yes they kind of a package <laughs> deal heather thompson heather holler thompson holler mama I think I'm just saying yes to everyone. I'm just like, when I hear their names, I'm like, oh, holla. Kristen Takeman, nail polish designer, blonde. Oh, yeah, no. No, Cindy Barshop. She did, she had the vajazzling studio. She had like two young kids. She should not be on television. I think she should be, but just in Jersey. Okay, yeah. Um, Dorinda Medley. Yes. Yes. Jules Weinstein. Jules is the woman who battled an eating disorder in her teens. And during Roni, you kind of felt like it was not in the past. Like, remember, Bethany was very triggered by Jules's relationship to food because it reminded her of her own mother. Like, she'd order enormous amounts of catering and never touch it. She baked cutlery into a pie. I remember that. Yeah, the disordered eating was... uh, She broke her vagina at some point. She, like, climbed over a fence or something. That's right. Yeah, she talked a lot about that. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Yeah, no. Too grim, too grim. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, yeah. Tinsley Mortimer. I mean, I'm a big yes. I didn't like her and now I miss her. So there we go. Yes. I'm a big yes on Tins and also Dale, her mother, Dale. I think they should be a package deal. A package Dale. (laughs) (laughs) Leah McSweeney. We've said yes. Ebony. I think Ebony needs another season. I think Ebony needs to be new guard. Yeah, get her into the new yeah, guard. get her friends around her. Yeah, she was really thrown to the wolves. Yeah, and in then this. there are a few friends of that I just wanted to make mention of. 
especially Barb. I love Barb. Barb needs to come back with her like tool belts that she gave everyone as a gift. Ah, oh, the bisexual carpenter. Yes, please. Yes. And then Elise, who was Ramona's friend, who Ramona um, kind of exiled from the group mid-season. Oh, yeah. She's a no. Yeah, no. But Barb is a big yes. Yeah. I'm going to put this link in the show notes because today, as I was imagining what a Real Housewives of New York new guard would look like, I just remembered that article that The Cut published at the start of 2020, pre, very much pre-pandemic, where they got all of like the hot crowd of New York's like kind of culture scene, I guess, together for like a lunch at like a, a big like French restaurant, like established New York restaurant and dressed them all up in like Gucci sequins and took photos of them. It was like Jeremy O'Harris, Jacqueline Novak, Nomi Fry and Alison Roman. And I was like, we need them, but like the, the people around them who are so rich, but you don't know where their money comes from. Mm-hmm. That's who we need as the new guard. Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, mysterious Absolutely. money. I also have a see also for the cut in that they have this series of, uh, it's called like, I think about this a lot and people oh, yeah. write about what they are constantly thinking back or, or being brought back to. And someone penned an article of what I am always thinking about and I was just so pleased. It was, I think about this a lot. Kelly Ben Simone running in front of a cab because the show famously featured her running down like what Fifth Avenue or something. Just a line of cabs honking behind her. She's running in the middle of the street. I think about it all the time. All the time. It starts as just B-roll as she's like, yeah, I'm a writer. I cover the goings on of the city. And then she starts talking about how she loves running in the road. (laughs) Not to brag, BL, but I have some good cameos that have been gifted to me for previous birthdays. And just for the record, I've never received a housewife's cameo and I'm mad about it. I get you one from Alex McCord. (laughs) All right. Also, also's is our segment where we just have a running list of recommendations, pop culture or not, things we're enjoying. My first one is a wear also, the label fashion brand company, which are you familiar with? Yeah, I they, am. They make clothes for humans and also lizards. I've just ordered some pieces from them. I'm really into like the, the flowy pant and matching top set at the moment and I got a chore jacket and some linen pants in this print called Kaitana and at the label founder's mother's paintings her name is Kaitana Conrad and uh, she models the pieces and I'm just a sucker for like a woman of a certain age modeling in a fashion campaign. I've got a watch also it's a very different watch from Severance but you know to show that we've got range yeah range so many sides to us. Minx has just started it's sort of not getting a lot of air play it feels um it is set in the 70s in uh, los angeles it is about an uptight feminist aren't we all who is looking to start like a feminist magazine but she speaks in too dry a manner and that's how she you know writes everything right enter a porn publisher to actually publish it and make it you know fun for the ladies so it's essentially she's created ms magazine yeah, i was gonna say is this a gloria archetype it's kind of like that yeah and it's not like the best show you could ever see so far like it starts off really well the first two episodes were very good and it's kind of petering out after episode four so far but it is kind of a fun show about feminism on screen in the 70s and 
if you're a straight woman or you're a person who is into dudes, I guess you might like the show a bit more than me. There is a lot of penis in the show, oh, like a really? lot of male nudity, like full frontal, like a lot of full frontal male nudity. So, I, you know, if that's what you're into, you'll get that out of the show as well. I'm not getting very much from that side of the show. <laughs> There's a lot, but I'm not getting any. I'm not getting it. It stars Jake Johnson from New Girl, who I think is great. I think he's great. And, um... A woman with the most white British name I have ever heard, Ophelia Lucy Lovibond, plays the, <laughs> it's the main character. I mean, she plays a woman named Joyce Prigger. It's just but getting worse. I know, Ophelia Lucy Lovibond. It's so fun to say. Please, so, wherever you are, say it out loud. What was her name last year? Fennel something who made Promising Young Woman? Emerald Fennel. Emerald Fennel. Emerald Fennel. That was it. It's a pretty good one. Anyway, I think that's on Stan in Australia. My next one is a skin also, skincare product that I really love and I just finished. So I added it to my ongoing spreadsheet, which tracks all the products I finish. It's the Rene Rouleau Post Breakout Fading Gel. And it's basically that product that you need after you've used your pimple treatment for like your hormonal breakouts or whatever else and you've dried up the sucker on your chin for me don't look at the huge one that's just bloomed today um not a great time to recommend a pimple product but this is specifically designed for like the red marks that are left after your pimples go away and it works a treat i found it's really effective because i've basically had like 20 years of like clusters of little red pimples around my chin and it's slowly getting rid of them and Renee Rouleau if you google what that woman's skin looks like you will buy every product that she sells because she looks incredible. I've got a wear also. Everyone knows about it, but Post Soul Studio, the footwear brand that is... I don't know about it. Great. It's a footwear company based out of Melbourne. They're not expensive, but they're shoes that are not cheap but they're very well made. Mm -hmm. They make shoes that are very wearable but they do like a heel and they do like a lot of sandals, etc. But they do, they use sustainable leather. They're a very sustainable company. You can look up their, all their core values online. Um, they also do vegan leather now, which is really great um, to see in a kind of a more stylish shoe. Because if you're trying to avoid leather, it is so hard not to look like a funky rockabilly still. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want that in my life. It's just a really nice kind of small studio doing really exciting things. And I basically live in the canal tea bars in black. I've seen you wear those. I'm wearing them right now. Oh, huge. Um, my last one is a listen also. It's the podcast Dead Eyes, which you have probably heard of, especially if you listen to or consume a lot of like comedy content. It's by a comedian from uh, New York called Connor Ratliff who I've kind of been aware of for quite a while. He did this bit on the Chris Gethard show years ago, which I return to very often where he got to interview his hero, Tony Hale from Arrested Development and Veep. But in order to ask him a question, Connor had to eat a vegetable and he apparently famously does not eat vegetables. And so it's like this incredible interview where he's kind of choking down Brussels sprouts in order to ask his hero comedy questions. Anyway, that is the spirit of the person who made this podcast, Dead Eyes, takes the style of a serial-esque investigative podcast, but the mystery that it is investigating is why in 2001, when Connor Ratliff auditioned for a very, very minor part in the series Band of Brothers, which was directed by Tom Hanks, 
he got the part and then Tom Hanks said, I don't like this guy. I think he's got dead eyes and recast him. And 20 years later, Connor Ratliff made this incredible podcast about like what it means to be a working actor and what it means to be disappointed and how memory plays into it. Like he's been telling this anecdote for 20 years and along the way, there are like some really incredible interviews, including with John Hamm in like the second episode, because they did like community theater together as teenagers. And John Hamm famously had like a lot of rejections before he, you know, got cast on Mad Men. But the reason that this podcast has been kind of in the news or like in people's feeds more recently is because very recently he got Tom Hanks on his podcast mm. to talk about it. And you might be tempted just to listen to that episode, but I promise the buildup of the last like two years of think- him thinking about this and investigating the emotional side of this as well is really worth the journey to getting to Tom Hanks arriving in the studio. Um, my last one is a laugh also. <laughs> um, <laughs> Zoe Kinsma, a comedian. I don't know how to talk about it. Zoe Kuzma is a comedian. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. My last one is a... No, we're keeping... No! Okay, all right. Zoe Kim Smart is a comedian. (laughs) She's also my partner of, uh, like, what, coming on 12 years. Um, She's got a new show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, which opens this week. It it runs all through April. Her show is called Dave the Opener. It's on at the Arts Centre um, from 31st of March to the 24th of April. We'll put a link to tickets in the show notes. I'm not being, like a fully nepotistic bitch. It's because she's coming on the show next week and I got to give a shout out. But also we're allowed to be nepotistic bitches on our own podcast. I think so. Very famous comedian Zoe Kimsmar is coming on the podcast next week. She's won quite a few awards. She's very good. She's pretty good. She's pretty good. Famously quite good. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. As always, everything we mentioned and like reference is going to be in the show notes. So you can do plenty of further reading after you're done in like two seconds listening to this. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share the podcast on social media. Tell your friends about it. Tell like your bitchiest friends to listen to see also please do yeah follow us at see also podcast on instagram where through the week we also put up our also also's and lots of links and fun things thank you as always to samuel hodge for our artwork and to harvey sutherland for our theme music we'll see you next week see ya ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.